Hi, and welcome to The Blind Argument. I am Ryan. And I'm Davinia. And just for a bit of a recap, in case this is the first time you're tuning in, I'm the Youth Support Officer here at Visibility. And I'm the Clinical Psychologist. And we're here today to have a little bit of a discussion, debate, maybe we might argue, who knows, about... So today we're going to talk about acceptance. And whilst we were preparing for our talk today, we actually realised that we needed in conjunction to talk about disclosure. So we're going to talk about acceptance and disclosure of vision impairment. Excellent. And don't forget, if you'd like to get in touch with us here at the program, all you need to do is uh, email info at visibility.com.au and uh, they'll send it on to you and I and then we could discuss, argue or debate or throw around any topic that uh, you might have. If you're a parent, if you're a relative of a vision impaired child or a vision impaired person, you're not sure about something, if you want us to discuss it, just get in touch with us and we'll put it on the table, dissect it and talk about it. So disclosure and acceptance, where do we go here? Well, I guess we should probably start by letting you know what we think acceptance and disclosure is, what we've come up with, and hopefully it's um, a little bit resonant with what you think it is as well and what how you would define it. But I guess we wanted to talk to you about acceptance because we felt that it's something that comes up a lot, particularly with parents. We often get that, you know, my, my child isn't accepting their vision impairment or their blindness. Can you help us? What are you going to do? Can you make them accept it? We come across this a lot. So we wanted to talk, I guess, personally about our acceptance. If we accept our, our disability, if we don't, how we did it and everything in between. One of the things that I often think about with uh, disclosure and acceptance is that label. You know, I have to wear this label all the time mm. that says I'm disabled or I've got a disability or I'm blind. Yeah. And uh, I personally quite often don't like wearing that label. Absolutely. Me even, too. Even though, you know, at the age that I am now, at the beautiful age of 23, um, <laughs> not, I find it that sometimes I'll quite happily wear the label, but a lot of the times I don't want to wear a label. I just want to be me. Mm, absolutely. I have to agree with you there. You know, on some levels have definitely accepted my vision impairment. I've I've embraced it, but that's not static. That doesn't stay that way all of the times. There are definitely times where I put this impairment, this disability in a drawer and I shut it, not usually for too long, and I try and just be without it. And there are times where I will get the label out and probably proudly wear it or mm. use it to get myself to an advantage, I guess. Like, you know, the most recent one was um, when I was in uh, Sydney just a couple of weeks ago and our plane, our flight wasn't booked till eight o'clock that night and it was like two o'clock in the afternoon. And so myself and the person I was traveling with who was also vision impaired went, let's just go and approach the Qantas desk and see what we can do. We approached them, we chatted to them, we talked to them, we explained our problems and look, we got moved on to an earlier flight and it didn't cost us anything. So thank you very much. But I mean, you know, when we did it, it was like, yeah, definitely all canes out. Let's go. Let's use, you know, what we can to do it. So, I mean, look, I'm not promoting that we should use our disability to, to get yourself places, but sometimes you just kind of have to, you know, sometimes you have to wear that badge and, and take it with you. But getting back to parents, and it is something that I quite often get asked as well. And I should imagine in your line of work, you would work on this a lot uh, with parents mm. accepting their children's vision impairment or the parents wanting their child to accept their vision impairment? Mm, it's a really interesting one. I would say it's probably on the top of the presenting issues list of a lot of parents, and I think it's really well-meant. 
I think a lot of parents make the assumption that if their child can accept their vision impairment, then they'll start to use their aids like their canes more regularly. They'll use all their devices. They'll happily just kind of show that part of themselves to the world and they'll succeed and they'll move along quicker. However, what we keep noticing is kids and you know, adults, like all of us at times, Mm. we don't want to have it all out there. We might not want to use our device in public or with certain people. We might not mention to people that we're vision impaired or blind. We just might not want to sometimes. So is this indicative of lack of acceptance? And then is that lack of acceptance a problem? That's what we want to talk to you about. Because I do remember times at school where I was isolated from the group of kids Mm -hmm. and made to sit up at my desk so that I could read my Braille book properly Mm -hmm. and follow along with the teacher in the class and things, Mm -hmm. when really, at the time, was in my own mind thinking, why can't I just sit on the floor with the kids and read my Braille book? Okay, so you So why do I have to be separated? Why? Yeah, like I'm I'm imagining that from the teacher's point of view, they were thinking if we separate him, then he's got access to his devices or whatever you were using so that you could follow along. But it sounds like in your mind, Ryan, that actually it was more important to you to be a part of the group, to be the same as the others, yeah? Yeah. As a child, that's all I ever wanted to be. Mm. I wanted to be the same as everybody else. But, okay. you know, you quite often found in a schooling situation, you were isolated or removed mm. or you had a, a teaching, well, I mean, I never had to teach teaching assistant back then, Mm. um, education assistant, but I know they do these days. And quite often I hear from children these days that the education assistant sits with them in class Mm. and quite often in between them and the rest of their friends. Yeah. Absolutely. We're hearing about this a lot. So parents and teachers very often really want their child to do things in the way that's going to enhance their learning. And so often we're finding the child is wanting to enhance their social life. And I think that's actually really important. We need to stop and listen to that because what the child is saying to us there is, I want to be part of the group. I want to be accepted. I want to be the same or as similar as I possibly can be. That for me is more important and I think we really need to stop and listen to that because that is when the child starts to develop their sense of self and their identity and they're saying, it's important for me right now to be like this. Because I often wonder with children, and I know myself personally, this is how I sort of reacted um, when I was a child, Mm. when I was separated from the group or, for example, I was told I wasn't allowed to do Japanese in Mm. primary school because they said to me it's too hard to braille Mm -hmm. and they wanted me to go out and do study and do something else. Now, Mm. um, look, I ended up going and doing Japanese and got quite a good grade in it and I had to braille everything myself. But anyway, what I often did in me personally was... I would retaliate by not studying. Mm -hmm. I would get angry and really annoyed and Mm. think, well, I'm not going to study this now. I'm not going to do well. My attitude towards my schooling really fell because Mm. I was being isolated and wasn't being included with the rest of the kids or being, you know, allowed to do what they were doing. And I felt really, it was really hard for me to approach people back then. I mean, as a, you know, anything from an eight-year-old upwards or, you know, even younger, it's very hard to approach adults and try and tell them how you're feeling and how Mm. you, you know, how to explain this. So I think sometimes, you know, we we think we're doing the best for our kids, but um, I wonder if sometimes, you know, we need to stop and listen to them. Mm. 
Absolutely. I think we always need to stop and listen to them. Naturally, as the parent and as the teacher, you're going to make a decision based on on what your priorities are. But let's just be really mindful the whole time that a child's priority is very often being a part of the group. And it's actually really important, really important for their social development. And I'd just like to add in here as well that both Ryan and I in preparing to talk to you today reflected that we took a really long time to get to the point where we are now. We're both obviously working at visibility and both have lots of friends with vision loss, but that hasn't always been the case. We haven't always wanted to wear this badge so publicly and and be a part of this group. I don't necessarily see that as a negative. It just took both of us a little while to get here. I think me personally, I didn't really start accepting my vision impairment till possibly my mid to late 30s. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it was then that I started to actually embrace what I've got mm. and start to actually hang around a lot of other vision impaired people, whereas mm. before I never wanted to because I never saw them in the same light as myself. Mm. I always thought I was slightly, I wouldn't say better, I don't like that word better, but I felt I was different and I was more outgoing and more mm-hmm. included in the vision or the visual community. But it's just been in these last sort of maybe seven to eight years. And sorry to all the friends that I hang around now who <laughs> are blind and vision impaired. I, I do I do love you all now. But it was only then that I suddenly realised that, hey, these guys are cool. Mm. These guys are awesome to hang around. And actually, it is quite nice. But it took me that amount of time to want to mm go and be with them because before that, I guess I maybe hadn't accepted myself mm. to, you know, as to who I am and who I was. And now I'm, I'm very different. And I think from that, Ryan, I'm hearing that if you had have been sort of more strongly encouraged to accept before you were ready and perhaps to be more a part of the vision impaired community before you genuinely wanted to be, you'd be quite a different person. Certainly not a, not a better or worse person, but you, you might have just formed really differently. Yeah, possibly. I know if it had been forced on me as a child, Mm. I probably would have once again kicked back and um, rebelled against it. Things are different. You know, there wasn't as many groups for children, vision impaired children, when I was growing up. There wasn't Mm. as many camps and things like that as there are today. You know, I very rarely got to mix with other vision impaired, Mm. you know, children over here in WA. There was a few that I knew, but, um, you know, I didn't really get to mix with them as much as the kids do these days. So maybe it is a little bit different and maybe children are more accepting these days. But I often wonder, is it the parents that need to accept Mm. what their child is or what they've got or the disability they have or they're living with? I wonder how it would work if the parents accepted it first Mm. and were able to move on and cope with the and work through the grief, I guess, that comes mm. with that, how sooner would the child then accept what they have? Oh, absolutely. I think that's a really important question for a parent to ask themselves. If you're wanting your child to accept their disability, have you accepted their disability? And I know it's quite simple for me to say that, but I don't want to understate how difficult I think it could be potentially for a parent to come to the acceptance, but it's probably time to start that journey of acceptance. Do you have any ideas, Ryan, about how a parent does start that journey of acceptance? Oh, look, as a person that doesn't have <laughs> any children of my own, yeah, but, I'm sure um, but I work with a lot of children anyway. But mm. um, once again, going back to the time when you know I was born and was raised as a child, once again, there were no real ser- sort of children's services available mm. for them. So I think my parents had to do a lot of it on their own and, mm. and you know, they had to go it alone. 
I'm not sure when my parents accepted it. I really can't recall the time or, you know, maybe it was when I used that excuse one day to my mum, you know, when I was about five and I said, she told me to go clean up my room and I said, I can't, you know, I can't see, I'm blind. And Mm. let's just say that, well, she did give me a bit of a smack Uh um, and told me (laughs) to never use that again. So maybe mum had accepted it Uh at a very early age for me and Mm. was basically saying, you know, I don't really care that Mm. you can't see. If I tell you to go clean up your room, you're going to do it. Mm. And maybe that has helped me make the person that I am today, that, you know, mum had Mm. accepted it at a very young age for me and it moved on and it was going, well, this is my child, this is what I've got and Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to work with it. Absolutely. I think... um there's often some some markers that can really help parents, like when their child maybe graduates from a year, you know, their year group, that might be a time when they go, okay, great, they're graduating, you know, with their peers, even if they're kept back a year, perhaps when they have their first relationship, that might be a time that they're going, okay, yeah, they're doing that that normal mm. step that most, most people get to. Perhaps it's when they get their first job, or maybe it's when they graduate from a university or a TAFE degree, maybe it's the first time they independently travel. There's lots of little markers, I think, mm. that can really help. If you stop and notice them and go, well, hang on, they're actually just doing doing that thing that other people do in their own time, whenever that happens to be, that can be really a useful thing just to stop and notice, I think, in, in towards acceptance. Also talking a lot with other parents, perhaps the parents in your social group don't have a child with a disability, but they've probably got a child that's got some challenges or concerns or, or hang-ups or something. So just talking to them as well and expressing the grief can really help bring about acceptance. I must go back also and qualify or say that um, I don't condone you um, smacking children these days. But, uh, you know, when I was growing back up in the 70s, I think things were a little bit different then. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I don't remember it hurting. So mm-hmm. maybe it wasn't that bad. But I still, <laughs> you know, I thank mum for doing it for mm-hmm. me, you know, because I don't, you know, use that label anymore. You know, mm-hmm. well, I did when I wanted to fly home mm-hmm. early. But uh, what about disclosing? You know, mm-hmm. um, when when do you disclose to other people that you've got a vision impairment? You know, that, that's a really hard one. And I know moving on a little bit from children, taking a big jump up now to to, you know, when you're applying for a job and things like mm. that, I quite often get asked by the teenagers and the youth today, you know, when do I tell these guys, you know, that I've got a job, uh, sorry, a vision impairment? Now, my take on it is for me, and I know that I've shared this and we've talked about it with a lot of other vision impaired people mm. around my age now. And we often say these days, we don't tell anyone at all, mm. not until we turned up for the interview. Yep. You know, so that's my take on it. Um, mm. What about yourself? I, in making that decision, I really think about, well, what are my needs? I don't really think about what's right for that other person, be it in this example, the employer. I think, well, do I need to tell them to get some access to the to the building or something? And if I don't, I don't mention it. Particularly with going for a job, I think we all know there's a lot of discrimination that happens against people with a disability. And I think it's far more powerful to turn up and show them how good you are and let them kind of realise without making any preconceived decisions beforehand. On a more personal level, I don't always tell a new friend that I'm vision impaired until I've got to know them a little bit, unless, of course, they notice something like, you know, the guide dog or me um, walking into something. Um, you know, if it comes up, then I will tell them. But a little bit like you, um, Ryan, we were discussing this before, we often try to tell them in a very light and casual way and not kind of talk about it too much initially because I personally really want to get the sense across that the vision impairment is just like a little part of me, but it's not the thing that I want them to hang on to and, and identify 
um, about me. Then again, sometimes as a parent, disclosing your child's disability or their vision impairment to people such as their teachers, their school, their scout group, their sporting group, even a new set of friends might Mm. be a really good thing because Mm. then that person or that institution are going to be better equipped to Mm. work with your child. And and I know that might be, for example, if they're going to a friend's birthday party, you know, you're sending your 11-year-old child off to a friend's birthday party, your 11-year-old child has a disability, it's probably best that you as a parent don't go because you do need to give your child a bit of space, Mm. but then it might be nice to actually contact take the parents first and say, hey, look, I'm sending Ryan along. Ryan is vision impaired. He can't see. But if you could help him out by doing X, Y, Z for him, that'd be really great. Because I think sometimes I wonder if some other parents of, you know, your your child's friends are a little bit nervous Mm. about inviting, you know, someone like Ryan along because they just don't know how to work with it. So Mm. there are times, I guess, in life where disclosing the vision impairment or the disability is a good thing. Mm. And sometimes when I guess you've got to, you've got to weigh it up, don't you? The situation and say, well, today it's not actually a good thing. I'm not going to disclose that I have this. Because it might preclude me from some activity that I feel that I want to do. And just because someone else thinks I can't do it, I disagree. So I certainly don't mention it if I think I'm going to be precluded from something. But if I need to mention it to get my needs met, I will mention it. But I'll definitely be flexible in the way that I bring it up, the manner that I do it. And I also sometimes do say to people, hey, we've talked about this for a little while. Can we move on? Mm -hmm. Um, Because I don't want to talk about it the whole time. Might be interesting for you. But personally, (laughs) I'm I'm a little bit over talking about it. So Look, there's some lots of ideas for you about disclosure and also about acceptance for everybody to think about. But if you want us to talk more about it, let us know or, or contact us individually. Happy to chat about it. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yes, look, thank you for tuning in again. We didn't argue again. I know. Uh, I know. We're going to have to argue one day. We'll have to change the name mm. of the podcast or we'll have to um, find some juicier topics. So please let us know if you think there's something that we can really thrash out. Send your suggestions in to info at visibility.com. .com.au, ask for Ryan or Davinia, and uh, we'll thrash out, we'll dissect, we'll do whatever we can to your uh, topic and uh, maybe one day end up in opposite corners. (laughs) Hopefully. Bye. See ya.